So glad to have you with us. Now let's start with, uh, with prayer. Father, we thank you for the celebration of your son, his birth so many years ago in the natural, but his life that's ever reigning, living within us today. Your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, Lord Jesus, you are here. So we thank you that today is not a, just a historical celebration of an event that has gone by so many years ago, but it is an ongoing, living, exciting, life-changing experience for all of us even today. Let today be a reminder of not just what it is on the calendar and where we're at in the timeline. Let today's celebration not just be a reminder of what you have done 2,000 years ago, but let it be a reminder of the gifts that you have, the benefits that you have bestowed and made available to each and every one of us. Help us, Father God, to honor you by receiving, demonstrating, and distributing all that you have done in our lives. And we give you the praise. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. So there's a story about three young men who grew up, became very successful, very competitive brothers. And later in life, they decided that as their mom was getting older, they wanted to make sure for, uh, for that particular Christmas, they wanted to do something incredibly special. But given that they were competitive, they didn't share with each other what they were doing. But they always tried to outdo each other. And so sure enough, they got together for lunch one day, and they, were, they, were, uh, they had gotten a letter that was supposed to be read to all three at the same time. And so they met for lunch, and they were bragging. And each one knew that the gift that they got their mom was going to be the favorite gift, and that was what the letter was going to be about. And they're ready for the bragging rights. And so to, as they opened the letter, the one of the sons was reading it and said, To my oldest son, thank you for this beautiful house. It's amazing. It's amazing. And the brother started, kind of stopped and said, wait a minute, let me tell you about this house. It's just not a house. I bought her the nicest house in the most expensive neighborhood in her area. It is so nice and so big that I had to hire a butler to be there and a cleaning person and, and a cook. So she won't have to do any of that. And the other brother said, well, you know, that's great, but I don't think mom's going to like that because she likes to get out of the house a lot. So I did something even better. I bought her a brand new car with a chauffeur. Take her anywhere she wants to go. She don't need to be in that big house. She's going to be out and about shopping and seeing friends. That's what she really likes. And the other brother said, you guys don't know mom that well. Sure, she likes the house and likes going out and seeing friends, but what does she like the most is she likes reading the Bible. And I know that she's been struggling with reading the Bible. So I found a company that, that raises and trains exotic parrots. And these exotic parrots will memorize. And they, I have spent the money to buy this exotic parrot. And for the last two years, they have been training it every verse in the Bible. So all she has to do is just quote a verse, and that parrot will begin to recite that verse. And they were like, well, let's continue reading. Let's find out what mom really thinks. So they go back to reading. So to my oldest, thank you for this house. It is so expensive, so, so amazing, so grand. But you know what? It's just too big. And all these, all these people around working and trying to move around kind of makes me nervous. So I hope you don't mind. I sold the house, and I got myself a nice little condo, and I'm very happy with that. And the oldest son drops his head. To my second son, I love you so much. Thank you for this amazing, expensive car that you've purchased. This Rolls Royce is nice, and the driver is so friendly. But you know what? As I'm getting older, I don't go out as, I, as much as I used to. And so he just sits around waiting for me, and I feel kind of upset or nervous about the fact that he's waiting for me. So I ended up just selling the car, 
and I'm fine. But to my youngest son, I want to thank you. I love you so much. You know your mom like nobody else. That was the best chicken dinner I've ever had. Some of you are like, I don't get it. You'll get it later. <laughs> You'll get it when you give somebody a gift and they'll not understand what that was about. That's amazing. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. God with us. Say God with me. What's an, what an amazing concept. God with us. God in us. I think many times in our walk with God, we begin to say, I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but we don't understand the entirety of what's available to us. And we'll take pieces and bits and parts of it and say, oh, I'll accept this, or this is, a, this is acceptable, or this is what's what makes sense. And as we dig into the Word, we can begin to find out that He is so amazing, and there's so much available to us as his children. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. What a love. The birth of Jesus was the introduction to the plan of God that has been initiated way before man understood, before Adam ever fell. Because God always does, the Bible says, he sees the end equally as he does the beginning. And so before he starts, he has ended. And because he knows what's happening in the future, he already backed up and made provision through the cross of Jesus. And when he he sent that through the virgin womb, that little baby, he already knew where he was going. Mm -hmm. He was being born into humanity so that he could take on the sins of humanity. And die on the cross for our sins. What an amazing gift. No other gift that we give can compare. But the idea of, of, of giving is not just because we feel obligated, but because of, out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's expression of our love. And when people receive it, it's an expression of an experience of our love to them that not only benefits them, but also benefits us. We like giving to those we love. We like seeing them excited. We like for them to light up. And yet imagine getting an expensive gift and it being misunderstood and not received. And you sit there and thinking, I've spent so much time, I've spent so much money, and they're not receiving it. I wonder how many times in life our Heavenly Father says, you know what, this is, I've sent my son into the world so that you could be forgiven. I've sent my son into the world so you could be free. I've sent my son into the world so the joy, his joy, the joy of the Lord can be your strength. And the list goes on and on. And yet many times we sit quietly by. And I think it's because we don't understand the value of that gift. Today I won't be very long. But let me read out of John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16 again, out of the Amplified. For God so loved, for God so greatly loved... For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son 
so that whosoever believes and trusts in him as a savior shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, say Jesus. Jesus. Say Jesus, Jesus. Is, the is the one and only. He's the one and only. He is the one and only. Because of Jesus, we can be saved. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. We receive it. He's the one and only. We don't have to barter. We don't have to negotiate. Like the little boy who was seven years old and approached his mom one day and said, Mom, Christmas is coming up. I want a brand new bicycle. And his mom said, Johnny, I'm so sorry. I don't know, Dad. Your dad's been laid off. It's, things are getting kind of tight. And as she saw the hope and excitement melt away from her son's eyes, she thought, i got to do something. So she said, I'll tell you what, Johnny, you pray and ask Jesus to give you a bicycle. You ask God, and if God gives you a brand new bicycle, you can have one. That's all the hope that little Johnny needed. And off he went, saying, I'm going to go find a place to pray and ask God for my new bicycle. As he's walking down the street, he saw a church, and the doors were open, and he ran into the building. He went all the way down to the front. Not many people were in there, maybe a few cleaning. It was the middle of the day. As he got close to the altar, he knelt and began to pray and said, Oh God, if you give me a new bicycle this Christmas, I will be good for the rest of my life. When little Johnny got up from a kneeling position, began to walk toward the exit doors, and it dawned on him the reality that God would know if he's lying, and Johnny knew that being good for the rest of his life was, was relatively impossible. In fact, he had trouble being good for a week sometimes even a day. And so he thought, I better try this again. And he went back to the altar, kneeled, and began to approach God in prayer one more time and said, oh God, if you give me a brand new red bicycle that I really, really want for Christmas, I'll be good for a whole month. And he thought to himself, that should be good. And then he thought, mm, oh God, if you give me a red bicycle, I'll be good for a whole week, I promise. As little Johnny thought he had kind of come to a great deal with God, he noticed in the corner of his eye a nativity scene that had been set up by the, the church. And so he walked over before he left, and he looked down and saw the whole nativity, the wise men, the baby Jesus, Mary, the animals, Joseph, which, by the way, is not historically correct, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> and he looked down, and he saw this baby Jesus, and he carefully... And slowly picked up that baby Jesus, put that baby Jesus in his hand so carefully, admiring that little baby Jesus. And then he softly closed his hand and knelt again and said, oh God, if you ever want to see your son again. <laughs> God so loved the world, so greatly loved you. Say me. That's one of the hardest things for us to receive is the love of God toward us because we can see God loving other people, but when it comes to us, well, maybe not us because I maybe haven't been so good. And we begin to step into the bartering, negotiating stuff uh, level with God, and we think that we have to qualify and quantify the, all that we ask for, that it has to come from, are we good enough? And just like that little Johnny in the story, we begin to qualify and say, God, I, I'm praying for this, but here's what I'm going to give you to get this. And I need to encourage you, no matter what you give God, it will never be enough for what he's bringing to you. You can never be good enough for anything he wants to give you. You can never pay for it. You can't earn it. And that's the reason he sent 
His Son. For God greatly loved you that He sent Jesus. Not because you deserve it. Salvation is not earned, it's received. All the blessings of God, all the benefits, and we did a whole series on Psalms 103, and don't forget His benefits, is not based on you deserve it and you've earned it. That's the tactic of the devil to get you to qualify. And I'm not saying you can live any way you want. That's a lie of the devil. But the reality is when you go to pray, when you go to receive, you don't try to evaluate yourself. Get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on the one and only. The devil will whisper in your ear when you pray for a healing, pray for a neighbor, pray for a blessing, pray for a financial miracle, pray for peace in your life. And he'll say, do you really deserve it? And you can ignore him or respond to him, no, I don't, but it's not about me. It's all about the one and only. He is the one, but many times we forget he's the only. We try to maneuver, manipulate, squeeze ourselves into the equation of what God wants to do, and we begin to say he's the one and only and me. But he's not the one and only and you. Salvation is not about Jesus and you. It's about what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. By his stripes you were healed. It's about what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And it's good for us to back away and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to measure what I'm receiving by who I am, but based on who he is. Because if we allow the enemy and sin and life will devalue us, it'll diminish us. It will tell us we don't deserve it. But the reality, we're all saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should brag or boast, the Bible says. See, Jesus is the one and only. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. By this, the love of God was displayed in us, in that God has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique. Have you ever noticed or think about it? And we're going to do a series in January about the God of the impossible. And that's part of our, our fasting. We're, at, as a group, as a church, as a community, praying for the impossible. Not praying for the simple, small stuff. But begin to believe for the things in your life that you that are there that you want or need, but you're almost afraid to even bring up because it seems so impossible. My marriage will never be any different. It, for it to be happy, that's impossible. My life won't be any different. For it to change, that's impossible. For me to have more, do more, be more. That's impossible. And everything in the life of Jesus and all throughout the Bible. One time after the next, it was story after story of Jesus doing the impossible. The virgin birth, that's impossible. Resurrection, that's impossible. Raising the dead, that's impossible. Healing the sick, that's impossible. Casting out demons, that's... They, they monitored and watched him, even if they were a critic of him because they couldn't figure him out because he didn't keep repeating himself. He would even do incredible, impossible miracles that he would do differently. For one guy, he would just... He would put mud in his eye. To another person, he would just touch the casket. And all of a sudden, all these different things would happen. But there was, no matter the method he chose, the miracle was the same. It was an impossible event. If it wasn't impossible, it wouldn't be a miracle. And it wasn't just for the people that were hurting. When he was going somewhere, and the devil would try to create a storm... He would rebuke the wind and speak peace to the water. And even his own disciples would say, who is this guy? I'll tell you who he is. He's the one 
and only. When we put ourselves, when we put our emotions, when we put, oh, I remember long ago being taught this, if it's not aligned with the word of God, just dump it. Challenge everything with the word of God. Don't take my word for it, anybody's word for it. Challenge everything. In some circles, they don't even want you to read the Bible. We tell you, you need to read the Bible. You need to challenge everything with the word of God. And we don't want to get ourselves in the mix, the blend of it, because we'll dilute it. We need to get ourselves out of it so it maintains its potency. Because Jesus is the one and only. Say, it's all about Jesus. The one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique, the one... The only one of his kind. There's no one like Jesus. Maybe not the Jesus you heard when you were growing up. Maybe not the Jesus you saw in other churches. If they've done you wrong, let me apologize to you. Because Jesus will never do you wrong. Jesus will never hurt you. Jesus won't put sickness on you. That's not in the Bible. Jesus didn't take your child. That's not in the Bible. People have made and have totally distorted the Bible in so many different ways that others people that walk away said, I'll never go back to church. Why? Because Jesus did this. Jesus never did it. That wasn't God. For God so loved. Jesus is the one and only. How much does God love you? He gave the one and only. Greater than the, a diamond that is only one of a kind. You say, how much is that diamond? It's a one of a kind. There is no dollar amount to it. That's what they call priceless because it's a one of a kind. Jesus is one of a kind. The answer to the world's problems is Jesus. The solution, praise God for laws and praise God for everybody trying to do their best, but you can't legislate righteousness. You can create more laws, but the evil is still evil. And evil comes in every shade. Evil comes in every economic background and standard. There is, there, there is no level or no place in society where there's, you could say, oh, if I have so much money, it'll be different. No, evil's in every level. There's no place saying if I get a good enough education, it'll be different. And praise God for education, praise God for success. But I'm telling you, even in the, in the halls of the higher levels of learning, they're still evil. You need to be educated. You need to be successful. But what makes the solution to life for man's problems, for individuals' problems, is Jesus. He's the one and only. See, Jesus is the one and only. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 9. When they, talking about the Magi, when they had heard the king that they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw, when they saw the star, when they saw the star, well, they didn't really see the star, did they? They saw the light of the star. When they saw the light of the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now again, this is where a lot of people think that there was three uh, wise people because there's three gifts. We don't know historically how many. But they were kings, they were magi, they were wise men. And typically the, those guys traveled in... Uh, you know, in groups of 150 people 
on average. But that would throw off your whole display in your window. <laughs> Why do you have 450? We don't know how many there was. But we do know something, that they followed the light. And we do know something. They found the, the source of the light. And we do know something. They celebrated that light. And yet Jesus wouldn't be an infant at that time. He'd be just a, a, little, a toddler. And that's why Herod was killed all the boys to and under. So he wasn't a baby still in the manger. He was, already, he was already walking around a little bit here. But they saw him. And the interesting thing about people who are wise and people that are successful and people that are powerful, because they were powerful, is that they had to do something that was totally against the nature of their position. And that's they begin to see something of such value that even though he had never done anything at that time. He was only a little, a little boy. There's nothing he could give them at, the time, at that moment. There's nothing he had done. There's nothing, but they recognized his royalty. They recognized his value. They recognized his importance. And they bowed themselves down to worship. They opened up their gifts. I want to tell you if, you, if you've never been saved, Jesus is the solution. But if you have been saved for a while, are you listening to me? Jesus is still the solution. And we need to keep coming back to him and keep bowing our knee to him. Come on, church. Sometimes we can be in church so long that we forget the who we are serving. We're so, we are so excited about what God has done for us and through us and the titles and the achievements that we forget that we got to keep coming back to Jesus. He's no longer a toddler. Come on, somebody. He, he, he lived on this life. He died on the cross, and on the third day he rose again. But we still got to come back and say, Lord, just like I bowed my knee when I was getting saved, I'm bowing my knee again. Just like I worshiped you when I was first got saved, I'm going to worship you again. Just because, uh, just the way I gave to you at the beginning, I'm going to keep giving to you. I'm going to serve you. Nothing I have of value is being withheld from you because I see and recognize that you are the one and only. As long as, we, as long as we don't lose sight of that, when we begin to lose sight of the importance of the priority of Jesus, because the Bible says he must be Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. Jesus said, if you love anybody more than me, you're not worthy of me. And that sounds like a conflict of interest because he wants us to love people. Even he's told us to love our enemies, but what does he mean? He, and he brings the understanding that there is a, a revelation to have when it comes to Jesus, that when you have this one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus, more than a building, more than than a church, more than a denomination, come on somebody, more than a title, more than a job, more than an accolade, but coming to the one-on-one -on -one relationship, more than anything else in this world, Jesus, you are the most important, you are of greatest value, because if you don't have that, the devil will pull on the things that you hold on to, trying to get you to a path that you don't want to belong to, and he'll say, come with me, and he'll drag you, he can't push you, he can't force you, but he'll entice you with what you think you want. But when you come like he did Jesus and said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you worship me. And uh, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You shall worship. The only one you should worship is the Father. It is a reality check that we all need to have from time to time. That, oh God, I love my, my spouse, but you're still number one. 
I love the success that you've given me, but you're still number one. I love my family, but you're still number one. God, I love, I love my friends, but you're still number one. I love everything you're doing for me, you're still number one. Because he is the one and only. Around here, we believe the, we just believe the Bible. We believe in prosperity. That throws some people off. We believe God wants you to have stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. See, what happens with the problem with stuff is that it wants, and like anything else in life, it wants to be number one. It wants to be the priority. It just does. Things want to be the priority. Your job will try to be the priority. Your relationships want to be the priority. Your marriage will want to be the priority. And I'm not saying that they're not important. They are important, but they can't be the priority. And the problem, the problem with stuff that people have, especially when they talk about it and they get off and mess up with it, is they lose sight of Jesus being the one and only. As long as you serve him with, God, I'll serve you as long as you keep blessing me, you don't understand the benefit of the blessing. As long as, you st- as long as you say, God, as long as you do what I want, then I'll keep serving you. No, you got to come to a place that, Lord, you are number one. And if everything goes against me and everybody turns against me and nobody likes me anymore, if it seems like I'm losing everything, I'll still praise you. I'll still worship you. I'm still going to bow my knee to you. I'm not going to stop serving you because even if I don't understand everything, and none of us do, we must realize he is the one and only There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. See, only Jesus. That doesn't mean that we disrespect people. That doesn't mean that we devalue people. No, we we handle the important things with the attitude of importance. Because if you don't respect something, you lose it. Whatever it is. Your gifts your anointings, your calling, your relationships. If you don't have respect for it, you lose it. What you respect comes to you. What you disrespect goes away from you. It's a natural law. But it's not saying, oh, you know what I mean? Jesus is number one, so I'm going to treat you like dirt. No, that's not what it is. We treat what God's given us that's important with importance, but we never let it become the priority. And sometimes we have to talk to those things and say, wait a minute. You can't be the priority. Jesus is the one and only. That's not the warm and fuzzy we typically expect on a Christmas Sunday message. Let's talk about the baby Jesus and the angels and the song. And go. But I want you to know. But I, I want you to know that we are in the, in the last of the last days. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to remind you. Praise God for the celebrations. We have fun at our house. We do all kinds of fun celebrations. We have, like having fun. But you know what? Each one of us have to get to that place within us. That Jesus, you're number one. He's the only one with life. Peter said, where else can we go for for words of life? He's the only one. He's not a fairy tale story. He's the real deal. There's more historical, secular writings on the life of Jesus on this earth than Julius Caesar. Did you realize that historically, not Christian writers, 
non-Christian authors writing history. There are more writings, historical writings, about the life of Jesus, the Christ, on this earth than even Julius Caesar. And once you come to that point, then there's only three, one of three things Jesus can be in our life. For he said he is the son of God, that there's no way to the Father but through him. Either Jesus was on this earth that we know he was historically, and he said he was the son of God. Either and that he came to, to pay for the sins and he would rise again on the third day. Either it wasn't true and he believed it was true, that would make him the greatest lunatic history has ever seen. Because for thousands of years, people have lived their lives following his teachings and given their lives to serve him. Or he, when he said he was the son of God and he, was, he came to die on the cross for our sins and third day was rose again, he, he knew it wasn't true, it wasn't true, and he knew it wasn't true, That'd make him the greatest liar history has ever seen. Yeah. Or when he said, I am the son of God, I, there's only one way to the father, and that's through me. And he knew it was true, and it was true. That would make him who he says he is, the savior of the world. Yeah. He can only be one of three. He can't be a good teacher, like some Say, oh, he's not the son of God. He's just a good teacher. He was a good prophet. He can't be any of those. He either has to be who he said he was or the greatest liar in the world or the greatest lunatic in the world. When you logically come to that place, then you have to make a decision. What am I going to do with the one and only? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, Maybe you've never had the experience with Jesus. I'm not asking you to join a church, denomination, or religion. To me, salvation is one of the greatest miracles. I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you, is Jesus Christ real to you in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? Only you could answer that. Only you could answer that. God doesn't have stepchildren. God doesn't have Nephews and nieces, he has children, no grandchildren. You don't go to heaven because you knew somebody who knew him. And you don't go to heaven because you're a good person. Good people don't make it to heaven. Only forgiven people do. He is the one and only. So you say, well, how do I experience this Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple, short prayer that will have an eternal impact. If you repeat that prayer from your heart, say with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent, to you. I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for me, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me.
because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord, my one and only. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Now let me encourage you. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that heaven is celebrating. We want to celebrate with you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to go into another room. I just want to know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant business with God and you just gave your heart to the Lord, at the count of three, I want you to do something that might not make sense to everybody, but believe me, it does make a difference. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet and stay where you're at. I want you to stand to your feet. You might think, well, I don't know if I want to stand in front of people. I don't want to be the only one. First of all, you won't be the only one. Secondly, I totally understand. Standing in front of people can feel awkward. But the point, and that's the reason I'm asking you to do it, is because if it's hard to stand for Jesus in a room that's going to clap and applaud for you, how do we stand for Jesus in a world that tries to talk us out of him? And so if, you, if you're willing to stand to your feet, I'm, I want to speak a blessing over your life. The Bible tells us that God gives us uh, a supernatural strength in our inner person by the Holy Spirit. You'll be strengthened with might, is the King James translation, in our inner person by the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for you. Uh, you won't have to come down. I'll just do a general prayer that God will give you supernatural strength. But there's something about standing up. We are not living in a time where we can fly under the radar for Jesus. I'm not saying be weird. I'm not saying be goofy. I'm not saying be somebody different. You be real. You be you. And watch how God begins to change your life. And you become a light. We talked last Sunday about you are the light. Jesus said it. You are the light. Just like the wise people were following, they were hungry and searching. And what they followed was a light that brought them to Jesus. My friend, each and every one of you, you can and God wants you to be a light. It doesn't mean you have to witness to every person you talk to. God will show you who. You're called to reach not everybody, but somebody. But the cool thing is God can use each and every one of us to be a light to bring people to Jesus so that they can experience them. So if you prayed that prayer, Pastor, I, just, I prayed that prayer, and I've just given my heart to the Lord. We want to celebrate with you. At the count of three, now if you're bold, I want you to stand quickly for the people who are shy to encourage them. But if you prayed that prayer, I gave Jesus my heart. I just prayed that prayer, and now I'm saved. And I want you to know, and I want that blessing. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand to your feet now in the name of Jesus. Who did I pray? God bless you. I see that one. I see that second. God bless you. I see the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. God bless you. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. God bless you. 20. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. 21. Keep clapping. Hallelujah. Stay standing if you would for a few seconds. Let me just tell each and every one of you. Welcome to the family of God. We are so proud and so happy for you. Stay standing. Stay standing. I want to speak a blessing over your life. Thank you. I want you to know at Hope Church, uh, some things we do different. It's all in the Bible, but there, it's just a style thing. We don't manipulate people. We don't control people. We're not going to chase after people. I don't believe that's... We want you in the driver's seat of your life, choosing God, choosing His Word. Amen? 
So there's three things that we encourage you to get. Number one, get a Bible. If you don't have one, let us know. Just start reading it. Get in the Gospel of John. Don't start at the beginning. If you start in Genesis, by the time you get to the begets, you'll be gone. If you don't know what that means, don't worry. Be glad. It's just all the, this person begat, that person begat, that person begat, that person. You wonder why they gave them crazy names. But get a Bible, start the Gospel of John. It is the spiritual food to the spiritual person that just been born again. Okay? Number two, get a church. We want you to be part of this church. You choose, but we believe that if God used us to be a blessing, we want to continue to be a blessing. And if you're looking for a church, we're a church that celebrates your victories and stands with you in challenges and fights. We will love you, encourage you, speak the word, encourage you to follow and make the decision. Amen? We don't, we don't judge people. We don't condemn people. We love people and keep speaking life into people and keep speaking life into people. And some people, you got to keep speaking life into them before it starts clicking. Others get it quick and begin to demonstrate. But either way, we're going to keep speaking the word of God, which is life. Amen? And we would love for you to be a part of our family, our community. Get a Bible. Get a church. Get a cause. Which means, not everybody, but let God place on your heart, in your mind, somebody that needs what you just received. And let them know what Jesus has done in your life. Invite them to church. Be there to encourage them. You might say, I don't know much. Maybe you just got saved and this is the first time you've ever even heard of the Bible. You know more than the people that don't know him at all. And I'll tell you, one of the things that will strengthen your walk with God is when you stop thinking just about yourself, but on the people that God wants to use you to be a blessing to. Amen? And so I'm going to ask Freedom to stand. He, I just saw him move. He's right over here. He, wave your hands so the people on the, on the other side of the pole can see you. Uh, and Miss Debbie's in the information center. Both of them are uh, care pastors for us. After church, if you want me to know who you are, your name, your information, and we'll reach out to you. If you want, just touch base with them. I don't like doing cold calls. That's why we want you to see the people you'll be talking to. But let us know, and we're here for you. We'll answer questions, pray with you, encourage you, whatever you might need. We're here for you. But we won't chase you. We want you to make the decision. Amen? You keep following Jesus. You keep following. And that's for all of us. Keep following Jesus. Keep coming to the one and only. Because the Bible says that the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. In Jesus, the best is always yet to come. That means the last thing he's done for you is not the last thing he's going to do for you. Keep coming to Jesus. Amen. Stretch your hands toward, church, stretch your hands toward these, our new family members. We want to pray. Father, we thank you for every person that just accepted you and just experienced salvation. We thank you their past of sin is gone. Clean slate, brand new creation. We thank you, Lord, for the miracle you're doing in their life. And Father God, I just ask you to bring the right people to surround them. Anything that the devil's used against them to pull them back, we curse and break that connection. We sever it. And any person that the devil has put in their world to discourage them, we ask you to remove them in the name of Jesus and bring more and better friends and people in their life. Father, right now, according to your word, I ask you to strengthen them by the anointing of your word and their Holy Spirit. Strengthen them with might by your Holy Spirit so that when they walk out of here, they'll be able to stand against temptation, stand against sin, and do what you've called them to do. And we give you praise. And everyone said, you may be seated. Give them a big hand clap again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.